0: Welcome everyone to the new 1001 Sherlock Holmes Stories podcast. Here you'll find a collection of Sherlock Holmes adventures as well as the best of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's stories. Some from our archives at 1001 Classic Short Stories and 1001 Stories for the Road and some newly produced. All here for your entertainment.
1: This episode from the life of Sherlock Holmes will be transmitted to our men and women overseas by shortwave through the worldwide facility, the Armed Forces Radio Service. Petri Wine brings you Basil Rathbone and Nigel Bruce in the new adventures of Sherlock Holmes. The Petri family, the family that took time to bring you good wine, invites you to listen to Dr. Watson tell us another exciting adventure he shared with his friend, that master detective, Sherlock Holmes. And if you ask me, the best way to listen to that story is to do it with a glass of port wine right handy. Petri, California port. No kidding, that Petri port is just swell for any time good friends get together to talk things over. You couldn't ask for a more delicious wine. Why, just looking at the deep, rich red color of that Petri port tells you that here is a wine with a flavor that comes right from the heart of sun-ripened grapes. If you haven't ever tried Petri port, why not get a bottle and have a glass after dinner tomorrow night? It's a perfect after-dinner wine, you know. And share that port with your family and your friends. Don't forget, when you serve Petri Port, you can serve it proudly. Because after all, the name Petri is the proudest name in the history of American wines. And now let's keep our weekly appointment. Good evening, Dr. Watson. Good
0: evening, Mr. Bartell. Draw up a chair. Thank you. That's it. By the way, do you know what
1: date it is? Um... November 5th, isn't it? That's right. In England, it's known as Guy Fawkes Day. Have you ever heard of it? It's something to do with a gunpowder plot, isn't it?
0: Yes, Mr. Bartell, it is. And as Sherlock Holmes and I had a very unusual cheer on the 5th of November many years ago, it seems appropriate that I should tell you about it tonight. But before I begin, I think it might help you to appreciate the true flavor of the story if I tell you a little about the origin and the customs of Guy Fawkes
1: Day. A swell idea, Dr. Watson. Well,
0: my boy... On November the 5th, 1605, exactly 340 years ago today, King James I was about to attend the opening of of Parliament when a plot was discovered to blow up the House of Lords during the ceremony. And the chief conspirator was Guy
1: Fawkes, I suppose?
0: Yes, he was. He was captured in a vault immediately below the House of Lords, a vault full of barrels of gunpowder. Of course, he and his fellow conspirators were executed. And ever since then, November the 5th has been known as Guy Fawkes Day. Well, uh, how's
1: it celebrated, Doctor?
0: Well, it's a great time for the youngsters, Mr. Bartell. They black their faces, throng the streets, begging for pennies, and build bonfires in which to burn effigies of Guy Fawkes. These effigies are life-size dummies, stuffed with straw and dressed in old clothes. The children parade them in the streets, chanting rhymes. Well, now, let me see. Please to remember the 5th of November. Guy Fawkes Guy, hit him in the eye. <laughs>
1: the kids must have quite a time. Sort of like um, Halloween, aren't
0: I? Yes, not unlike it, my boy. Well, now that I've told you something about the customs of Guy Fawkes Day, I'll get on with my story. It began just before lunch, I remember, on November the 5th, 1899. The day was foggy and cold, and Holmes and I were seated each side of a blazing fire in our Baker Street rooms. From outside, we could hear the sound of voices laughing and singing. Suddenly, Holmes rose and crossed to the window, opened it, and looked out. Then he turned to me and spoke.
2: Children are having a great time, Watson, aren't
0: they? Yes, it cost me a shilling worth of pennies to to walk here this morning.
2: Has it occurred to you, Watson, that the gunpowder plot offers very promising material to the speculative mind? In what way, Holmes? I say it's confoundedly chilly in here. Don't you think
0: you might uh, shut that window?
2: Sorry, old chap. As I was saying, the gunpowder plot offers very promising material to the speculative mind. I've made something of a study of the historical records of the case. There is more than a little evidence to suggest that King James was never in any real danger. Never in any danger? Well, what makes you say that? Knowledge of the proposed dastardly scheme came to light early. The James Stuart, King of England, the possessor of a shrewd and diabolical mind, used the spectacular discovery of the plot to try and bolster his waning as well as to justify increased religious persecutions. Oh, that's the first I've heard of it, Holmes. I oh, dare say, old Philip, it's true just the same. I'm afraid James Stewart, King of England, was an unscrupulous tyrant. Come in. Oh, yes, Mrs. Hudson?
3: There's a gentleman to see you, Mr. Holmes. He said it was very important, and he asked me to give you his card. Oh,
2: thank you, Mrs. Hudson. Oh, <laughs> ask him to come up, please, will you? Aye, sir. Well, who is it, Holmes? A gentleman with a remarkably fine sense of timing read his card for yourself. Let's have a look. Mr. James
0: Stewart. Great Scott, that's, that's... an extraordinary coincidence that he should arrive
2: just as we're talking about James Stewart, King of England. Come in.
4: Mr. James Stewart.
2: How do you do, Mr. Stewart? My name is Sherlock Holmes, and this is my colleague, Dr. Watson. How do you do, sir? How do you do? Mr. Holmes, you've got to help me. I'm walking about in mortal fear of my life. You've got to help me. And Mr. Stewart, I suggest that you sit down. I'll do anything in my power to help you, but you must compose yourself first and tell me quietly what it is that's frightening you. How can I compose myself when I may be dead within a few hours? No, no, no,
0: no, Mr. Stewart. I'm a doctor. I really think if I were to give you a sedative that you'd find... How can you talk of sedatives when I... <clears throat> my heart. <laughs> doctor. <clears throat> my heart. All right, all right. Now, here, let me help you with the sofa. There you are now. I imagine that's
2: that
0: it. Would be... Yes, Holmes, and I'll give him some digitalis. A fellow with a bad heart like this shouldn't allow himself to get so excited.
2: Here you are, Mr. Stewart. Drink this.
0: That's it. That's it. And now this, Mr. Stewart. What is it? It's digitalis. Uh, very well. Yeah,
5: now. you better, son? Yes, Mr. Holmes. Yes, I do. Uh, you're right. I shouldn't get so excited. My heart can't stand it, you know.
2: Watson, is he well enough to talk, do you think? Yes, if he doesn't
5: excite himself again. I'll be careful, doctor. I'll take it quietly. Mr. Holmes, when you saw my card just now, did it strike any response of court? (laughs) Naturally, sir. Who could fail to be intrigued when a
2: James Stewart calls to see one on Guy Fawkes Day?
5: Uh, It isn't just coincidence (laughs) that my name is James Stewart's. I've got royal blood in my veins. People know of it. And that's another reason they're out to kill me. They're jealous of my heritage. Every instinct I have is a royal one. Uh, no, you gentlemen know that falconry is a king's sport. And my greatest hobby is the breeding and the uh, training uh, of Mr. falcons. Stewart, please,
2: Mr. Stewart, owing to the state of your health, I suggest that you be as economic as possible in your explanation. In fact, I think it might be better if I were to question you. Uh, very well, Mr. Holmes. Now, you say that your life is in danger. What evidence do you have to substantiate that claim? Uh, my cousin Guy Falconry
5: has threatened it. Uh, you see, Mr. Holmes, he and I are the only <coughs> heirs to a wealthy uncle. His fortune will go to the surviving heir. If I were dead, Guy would inherit everything. It seems to me, Mr. Stewart, that you should have applied to Scotland Yard for protection. I did, Dr. Watson. Only a few days ago, I saw a certain inspector, uh... I think his name was, and he laughed
2: at my fears. Oh, (laughs) Lestrade. And he laughed, did he? Well, then in that case, there may be something in your story, sir. (laughs) You say that your cousin has threatened to kill you. Has he indicated the method he intends to employ? Aye, uh, he has.
5: And it's a devilish plot. Guy has a bitter, twisted sense of humor, gentlemen. Even when he's planning as dastardly a thing as a murder. I am James Stewart. He is Guy Falconby, which is near enough to Guy Fawkes. Today is the 5th of November. And he's planning to blow me up. (laughs) Oh, come, 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 sir. You can't expect us to believe that. (laughs) But it's true. He warned me. uh, And the celebrations that are going on in the streets of London today would make a rare clock for his activities. Uh,
2: I must confess, Mr. Stewart, that I find your story most convincing. All your evidence appears to depend on conversations held between you and this cousin of yours. You have no facts, sir, to substantiate your claims. But I have. Then please let us hear them. I live at 23 Cavendish Square.
5: A week ago, the house next door to me was let to a new tenant. Almost immediately, workmen became very active there. They were digging in the cellars, Mr. Holmes. I could hear the
0: sounds of picks and shovels through the walls. Digging in the cellars? That does sound significant, doesn't it, Holmes? Extremely.
2: Did you observe any other activities of the workmen, Mr. Stewart?
0: Aye, uh,
5: Mr. Holmes. Vans have been delivering large packing cases to the basement during the last two days. Mm-hmm. I know what's in them, too. It's gunpowder. I tell you, they're planning to
0: blow me up today. No, no, no. no. Still, 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 steady, steady. You mustn't excite yourself again. shall well, I do,
2: Mr. Holmes. I think, sir, it would be better for you to rest here for a while and then go to a nearby hotel. I would suggest the, uh, Shaftesbury. And wait there until you hear from us. And where are you, gentlemen, going? Watson and I, after donning suitable disguises, will visit the house adjoining yours in Cavendish Square. I think an examination of the cellar there might prove most illuminating.
0: This must be the house, all right, Holmes. The empty packing cases are still
2: by the foot of the basement steps. Come on, Watson. Let's go down and explore. Upon my soul, I feel a little self-conscious in these clothes. No need to, my dear chap. You look a most authentic inspector of plumbing.
0: If anyone challenges us,
2: uh, you'd better let me do the talking, though. I think my accent might be a little more convincing. Shh. Listen. I can't hear anything. Exactly. Then we may reasonably assume that either the workmen are observing the Guy Fawkes holiday or that their work is done. Come on, let's try this door.
0: It's unlocked.
2: Yes. Huh. This is too easy, Watson. We must be prepared for a trap. Come on. I've got my revolver handy if there's, if there's any trouble. Well, don't use it until I tell you to. Remember, we're supposed to be plumbing inspectors. It's pitch black in here. I can't see a thing. Strike a match. See if you can find a gas jet. Strike a match? when the cellar may be full of gunpowder. You can't take the risk, old chap. Huh.
0: Here's a gas jet. i light it. That's better. Now we can see a little.
2: Uh huh. I think the workmen have completed their job. See that new wood forming a crude door in the corner over there?
0: Where does it lead to, do you suppose?
2: Let's find out. Oh, also unlocked. And here's a miner's lantern. Waiting conveniently for us on this ledge. Oh, this is ridiculously easy. Now I'm sure it's a trap.
0: I like the lantern. Great good. it's a tunnel.
2: Yes, it's a tunnel leading into Mr. Stewart's house next door. Let's explore it. Look, Holmes. Look at the barrels. I bet they're full of gunpowder. Undoubtedly. We'll observe the fuses as well. Yes, the complete equipment for another gunpowder plot. I can't believe my
0: eyes. What a fantastic plan, but
2: how could the murderer be certain that Stuart would be killed in the explosion? I think that's easily answered, Watson. Remember Mr. Stuart's bad heart? In his present state of apprehension, an exploding firecracker would be enough to kill him. Oh, I suppose so.
0: Hello? Hello? What's this lying on the floor? Curious? It's a funny strip of silk with a little
2: ring on the end. Let me see it, Watson. Aha. Uh-huh. This seems to be familiar. By jove. I believe it's a Jess. A Jess? What else, sir? The last piece of evidence necessary to confirm the conclusion. Come out of re- there! And keep your
4: hands above your heads. I've got a revolver.
2: Right, John, Governor. We... You ain't done no arm. Now remember, Watson. I'll do the talking.
4: Come on. Archer come. <laughs> well, well. You're a comical looking pair what are you doing in there uh, me and my mate got a message to come over here and see to the plumbing mister plumbers eh do you have any identification yes sir here's my badge We're inspectors for the london county council oh that's all right my man i saw the basement door open and i i thought burglars might be here <laughs> you're the owner of this house sir yes but my agent let it recently to some tenants who've been behaving rather queerly
2: i'm told so i came round here to see what was happening uh, if you're the owner sir perhaps you can give me some uh, facts for me records film me records you know. And what do you want to know? Well, your name, please, sir. Falconby. Guy Falconby. Uh, look here, uh, Alfie. Alfie, uh, hold your nose. What did he say? Uh, nothing, sir. Nothing. He's got bad cups. Had it for a i've Had him for months now. I can't stop him. Alfie, here, give me a pencil, will you? Thank you, Alf. Now, sir, your name is Guy Falconby. Uh, what's the name of the uh, the tenant? This house is let to. There are three of them. Now, do you know their name sir? Got to have them for me records, you see. Yes, the names are Winter, Rokewood and Keynes. Uh, I... Oh, yes. Uh, Winter, Rokewood and Keynes. That's right, sir. <laughs> Sounds as if they might be a firm of solicitors, don't they, sir? Well, perhaps they are. I haven't met them. Uh, just one more question, sir, and then I need not bother you no more. Well, what is it? My religion or my grandmother's maiden name? <laughs> no, sir. No, nothing like that. I just wondered who lived in the house next door on that side... We've had a complaint from there, too. Their pipes is bunged up. My cousin lives there. His name's James Stewart. Mr. James Stewart, eh? I'm uh, much obliged, sir.
4: Me and my mate will be going next door. Then. Come on, Alfie. I'm not surprised his pipes are bunged up, as you so graphically put it. He's a great one for practical jokes about the house. As a matter of fact, he's planning one of them tonight. Ah, uh, oh, well, that's no concern of yours. By the way, my man, what's your name?
2: Uh, Nivet, sir. Tom Nivet. Come on, Alfie. We've got work to do.
0: I wish you'd tell me what's going on. Why have we taken this cab back to Baker Street?
2: Get out of these clothes. They've served their purpose. Now there's more serious work afoot.
0: Well, I'm still confused about our interview with Guy Falconby.
2: Why did you say your name was Tom Nimit? More touch of vanity, old fellow. Vanity? How do you mean? Well, consider the names in this case so far, Watson. James Stewart says that he's been threatened by Guy Falconby. A name, as Mr. Stewart points out, not unlike Guy Fawkes. Do you recall the names of the three tenants that Mr. Falconby gave us a few minutes ago? Yes, Winter, Rokewood, and Keynes. But what's that got to do with it? A great deal, my dear fellow. Thomas Winter, Ambos Rokewood, and Robert Keynes were the three men executed with Guy Fawkes in the original gunpowder plot in 1605. Good Lord,
0: where does Tom Nivett, the the name you gave yourself, fit into the picture?
2: Thomas Nivett was the Westminster magistrate who arrested the conspirators. Since the would-be murderer has such an academic knowledge of the original plot, I thought I'd let him know that he was up against an opponent worthy of his skill.
1: We'll hear the rest of Dr. Watson's story in a few seconds. Just about time for me to remind you that if you want a wine that's sure to please the ladies, you can't miss with Petri California Muscatel. That's because Petri Muscatel is a golden wine with one of those luscious flavors you ever tasted. Did you ever taste a big, plump muscat grape that's ripened in the sun? If you have, then you know what to expect when you taste Petri Muscatel. It's a wonderful wine. Perfect after dinner and swell when company comes. Just remember that, won't you? Petri Muscatel. Well, Doctor, you and Mr. Holmes were certainly having yourselves quite a Guy Fawkes day. Uh, what happened when you got back to Baker Street? We
0: quickly changed out of our disguises and back into our ordinary clothes. I was still pretty much in the dark, as usual. And I kept questioning Holmes as to, our, as to our next move. He was in a state of suppressed excitement. And it was obvious as he spoke to me that he was anxious to be off.
2: What's dawdle? There's so much work ahead of us. What do you mean, I'm not dawdling. I'm just as far as I can. What's our next move anyway? Well, we must split our forces. let get hold of my band of street urchins, the Baker Street Irregulars. I'm going to surround Mr. Stewart's house in. Cavendish Square, and they'll be invaluable for that purpose. Well, what do you want me to do? Go to the Carpsbury Hotel and collect Mr. Stewart, then return with him to his house and wait me there. I shall join you as soon as I've rounded up the Irregulars, but I must warn you. Don't leave Mr. Stewart for a moment. Don't let him out of sight until you see me again. Of course I
0: won't, Holmes, but to, uh, well, uh, I must say, the idea of all that gunpowder in the cellar doesn't make me
2: feel any oh, too have happy. have faith in me, old chap. Have huh? faith in me. You know, I wouldn't expose you to any danger if I could avoid it. And I assure you that I shall join you and Mr. Stewart very shortly. You have your revolver? Yes, of course. Good. And, uh, give Mr. Stewart this revolver, will you? Tell him that I insist that he carries it. I fear that his own has probably been tempered with.
0: Right, you are, Holmes. I'll see that he has it. This is a strange business,
2: I must say. That guy, Falconer seemed such a decent sort of fellow. Yes, he appeared to be a most amiable fellow, didn't he? This is indeed an unusual case, Watson. We're up against one of the most sinister and twisted antagonists that we've ever met. Well, chap, I'm leaving now. I'll join you soon. And don't forget, stay close to Mr. Stewart. Stay very close to him.
0: (laughs) Dr. Watson, I wish your friend were here. No, no, no. Don't get so excited, Mr. Stewart. You'll be here any moment now. You've still got the revolver that I gave you? Yes, it's in my pocket. But what's
5: the good of a revolver if there should be an explosion? Answer me that if you can.
0: Now, now you must have faith in Mr. Holmes, sir. He's arranging now to have this house of yours surrounded by his band of street urchins. They'll see that no one gets to the cellar next door to light the fuses. A uh, bunch of children. How can they do anything? Uh, you don't know the Baker Street Irregulars, Mr. Stewart. And it's a perfect day for them to operate as black-faced boys begging for pet they'd pass unnoticed anywhere
5: i hope you're right but i have a premonition doctor there's going to be a tragedy i know yeah, it. now take it easy sir remember
0: your heart you're in splendid hands when sherlock holmes is on the case here he is now holmes i say
2: i am glad to see you you received your visitor yet visitor we've seen no one then be on the alert i've just been questioning the boys surrounding this house a few moments ago some children pulled a small cart up to the back door cart containing a life-sized dummy. My irregulars thought that it was an effigy on its way to a bonfire. why oh, right. shouldn't it be, Holmes? I uh, have reason to believe that it's someone visiting you in disguise, Mr. Stewart. A visitor who is mounting the back stairs at this very moment. <laughs> You've got to stand by me, Holmes. You've got to protect Don't me. Don't worry, sir. I... Come in. Look! Look at that
0: apparition! cut, a uh, Guy Fawkes' dummy. A dark lantern in his hand and... And it's walking.
5: And
2: also talking, I trust. Keep away from me. I got a revolver. A stick
4: for, a stick for Victoria's sake. If you won't give me one, I'll take two. The better for me and
0: the worse for you. It's Guy Falkenberg. Keep away from me, do you hear? The better for me
2: and the worse for you. All right, then. I'm
4: going to fire. <laughs>
2: Tell me, Mr. Stewart, the revolver I've provided for you seems to be unloaded. How very odd. Oh, what in fun is all this about? You've just witnessed an attempted murder, Watson. Murder? What are you talking about? This is a game. James and I had it arranged, the whole thing. You may have thought it was a game, Mr. Falconby, but I assure oh, you. Our oh, col- oh, grab Mr. Stewart, Watson. He seems uh, to be leaving us.
5: Leave me alone.
2: Take your hands off me. I- uh, 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 my
0: heart.
4: Here, help, oh, oh, help me uh, put him uh, on the
0: sofa. Uh, uh, That's it. Uh,
2: I'll get him some digitalis. Look, I don't want to appear unnecessarily stupid, but will someone tell me what this is all about? With pleasure, Mr. Falkenby. Your cousin had planned one of the most fantastic murder plots that I've ever incurred. He came to us with the story that you had threatened his life. But that's ridiculous. I'm very fond of him. Of course it's ridiculous. The whole plot was ridiculous. He leased the house next door, had a tunnel dug and gunpowder and fuses planted there. even entered the name of the tenants as Winter, Rokewood and Keynes to give the apparent plot A further authenticity. You mean my cousin was the real tenant? Certainly he was. However, he was clumsy enough to drop that uh, piece of silk with the wire ring on the end that you found in the cellar, Watson. The thing you called a jess. And what's a jess? It's a strap that goes round a falcon's leg to which its leash is fastened. You will remember that Mr. Stewart informed us that falconry is his hobby. And it therefore indicated that he had been in the cellar and consequently must have known about the whole plot. And all he was trying to do was to build up in our minds the belief that his cousin was trying to kill him. Exactly, my dear fellow. Had we believed him, of course, he could have shot you just now, Mr. Falkenby, in apparent self-defense. Good Lord, what a fantastic plot. I... I still can't quite believe Mr. Falkenby, it. why are you dressed as a Guy Fawkes dummy? Well,
4: it was James's idea. He said that, that he was going to uh, to dress up too and that we were to go round the bonfires tonight and frighten people by by appearing as live dummies. But the last message he sent told me to come up here, that that we'd play a practical joke on a couple of friends of his. And did he provide
2: you with the costume that you're wearing? Yes, as a matter of fact, he did. Have you searched the pockets for any weapons? No, but I will. All right, and while you're doing that, I'll examine this dark lantern. How's your patient, Watson?
0: Well, I've given him some
2: digitalis.
0: And uh, now I'll get him some brandy. I can't find anything
2: in the pockets. Here's the answer, my friends. Look here. Inside the lantern is a dagger. Your cousin planted it there to substantiate the claim that you were trying to kill him. Had his plans worked, you would have been dead, Mr. Falkenby, before you could have told us the truth. Here, come back here, Mr. Stewart. James! He slipped out of the Confound door. Confound it! He's making the heart attack. Come on, what's not on,
0: the way, please. don't oh, blow
4: me. Here comes the
0: Lord Mayor in London, chums. <laughs> excuse me, please. I'm trying to find a friend of mine. Most important. Holmes, where are you? Can I hear my son? I hear you calling me. <laughs> Out of the way, please. I'm coming, Holmes.
2: Why don't you send card? You, you got away from me in the crowd. I got, away got away from us. Well, we'll never find him in this the mark Dr. Wolfram is a dangerous man. There's no knowing what he may do. Where are the irregulars? Ah, there's Wiggins. Wiggins? Wiggins.
0: Mr. Holmes, Dr. Watson.
2: Did you see a man run out of that house a few minutes ago?
0: No, Governor.
3: Perhaps Charlie did. Hey, Charlie, come over here a minute. It's Mr. Holmes. All right. I bet Charlie didn't see anything, though. He's got some savvy girl with him. Hello, Mr. Holmes and Dr. Watson. Hello, Charlie. Hello,
2: Charlie. Did you see a man run through this crowd a few minutes ago? A tallish man with a gray mustache?
3: Yes, I did. A man came running out of the house over there. That's the house. Where'd he go? He ran down toward where the shops
4: are. And he stole our dummy, did. The one we are going to burn in the bonfire. I tried to stop him, but
0: he got away. Holmes, Holmes, look up there on the roof. There's a figure. Joe, I believe is James Stewart. That's the
3: man. He's the one that stole our dummy. He's standing up on the roof. He's going to jump. If he does, he's
0: going to land in the bonfire. There he goes. He is jumping. Right into the middle of the fire. It's awful. He'll be burned to death.
2: Don't worry, Wiggins. There wasn't a man who fell into the huh? What do you mean? From the gyrations that the figure performed as it fell, my dear Watson, I'm convinced that Mr. threw the stolen dummy to try and put us off the track. Then Stuart's still up there. He is, Watson. Come along, old boy. It's up on the rooftops for us. Up on the rooftops! <laughs> Watson, let me help you up. Can you reach my hand? Yeah, I got it. All right then, up you come.
0: Come on. Up. That's it. Phew. Seems to me that fire escapes must be designed for, for giants.
2: Keep your eyes skinned, old fellow. Stewart's a dangerous man. He might be hiding behind those chimney stacks. Come on. Upon my
0: soul, this is a strange place to be on Guy
2: Fawkes night. Yes, a comprehensive case, Watson. Starts in a cellar and ends on a rooftop. Look, Holmes. By the parapet there. The crumpled body of Mr. Stewart. Looks to me as if it...
0: Yeah. He's dead, Holmes.
2: Well, it's not surprising. The effort of carrying the dummy up here and throwing it, combined with his own state of excitement, were too much for him. Well, quite frankly, I can't say that I'm sorry.
0: No, he planned a murder. If it hadn't been for you, he would have succeeded. An extraordinary case, Holmes.
2: Yes, old chap, and one that should long make us remember the 5th of November. By Joe, yes. Please to remember the 5th of November. Gunpowder, treason, and plot. I see no reason why gunpowder treason should ever be forgotten.
1: Well, Doctor, as you boys would say, that story was a bit of exciting, what?
0: Yes, and even now I sort of lose my breath. When I remember climbing that far escape.
1: You know, Doctor, those two fellas certainly went out of their way to celebrate Guy Fawkes Day. Now, take me, when I got a little celebrating to do, I I like to do it quietly. Some friends, a glass of port. Petri port, of course. What else? (laughs) Leave it to you.
0: No matter what the occasion is, you can somehow make it a perfect occasion
1: for Petri wine. How do you do it, old (laughs) (laughs) fellow? Don't ask me how I do it. You mean, how does the Petri family do it? How can they make such swell wine? Well, the answer is experience. The Petri family has been making fine wine for generations. And ever since they first established the Petri business way back in the 1800s, they've handed on down from father to son, from father to son, the fine art of turning luscious, sun-ripened California grapes into fragrant, delicious wine. That's why when you want a wine for any occasion, before dinner, with your meals, or after dinner, you can't go wrong with a Petri wine. Because Petrie took time to bring you good wine. And now, Dr. Watson, what Sherlock Holmes' adventure are you going to tell us next week?
0: An old favorite, Mr. Bartell, a story that concerns strange music that was heard in a lonely house in the English countryside, and of the living death that stalked there. I call it The Adventure of the Speckled Band.
1: Sherlock Holmes adventure is written by Dennis Green and Anthony Boucher and was suggested by an incident in Sir Arthur Conan Doyle story, The Adventure of the Devil's Foot. Music was by Dean Fossler. Mr. Rathbone appeared through the courtesy of Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer and Mr. Bruce through the courtesy of Universal Pictures, where they are now starring in the Sherlock Holmes series. The Petri Wine Company of San Francisco, California Invite you to tune in again next week, same time, same station. This is Harry Bartell saying night for the Petrie family. Sherlock Holmes comes to you from our Hollywood studio. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. Invite you to listen to Doctson tell us another exciting adventure he shared with his old friend, that master detective, Sherlock Holmes. And if you don't mind, I'd like to suggest something that you might share with your friends. And that something is a glass of sherry before dinner. Naturally, a glass of Petri California sherry. I say Petri sherry because it's the perfect before-dinner wine. You couldn't think of a better way to begin a meal. That Petri sherry has a beautiful, inviting color, like, like dark amber. And for flavor, well, you've heard sherry described many times as having a rich, nut-like flavor. But if you want to learn for the first time what those words rich and nut-like really mean, you just taste Petri Sherry. It's wonderful. Serve Petri Sherry by itself or serve it with hors d'oeuvres or or those little cocktail sandwiches. And incidentally, if you prefer (laughs) your sherry dry, you know, not sweet, just ask your wine merchant for Petri Pale Dry Sherry. Well, the important thing to remember is if you want sherry, You want Petri Sherry, because that means good sherry. And now let's look in on our genial friend and good host, Dr. Watson. Good evening, Doctor. Good
0: evening, Mr. Bartell. Punctual to the minute, as usual.
1: (laughs) Never keep a doctor waiting, I always say. Particularly Dr. Watson.
0: (laughs) Draw up a chair, my boy. (laughs) Thank you. That's Mm -hmm. it, that's it, that's it.
1: All oh, ready to tell us the Sherlock Holmes adventure of the Speckled Band, Doctor? Yes, I'm all ready, Mr. Bartow. Say, Doctor, just what does a Speckled Band mean?
0: <laughs> you wait until I've told you the story, young fellow, my lad. You'll find out for yourself. <laughs> Sorry. The floor is all yours, Doctor. The adventure of the Speckled Band began on a rainy April morning in 1883. An urgent call from one of my patients had kept me up most of the night before, and in consequence, I came down to my breakfast rather later than usual to find that Holmes had already left our house some hours earlier. As I sat there reading the morning paper and consuming my two lightly boiled eggs, there was a knock at the door. It opened to disclose a typical example of the British working man. A bag of tools in one hand and a grimy cap in the other, as he spoke to me from the doorway.
4: You sent for me,
2: Mr. Holmes? I'm not, Mr. Holmes. Oh, beg your pardon, Governor. But I've come to him in the guest bracket over the mantelpiece. Oh? oh?
0: What's wrong with it?
2: I've got a leak in it. Oh, leak? Well, well, well what's wrong with your work? Yes, sir. I hope I won't be disturbing you, no, sir. No, no, no.
0: That's all right, my man. Don't mind me. Don't mind me.
2: Oh, dear. Very untidy, man, Mr. Holmes, sir. What do you mean by that? Well, you can't help noticing the mess this room's in. I've heard say so he was as tidy as any when he started. But he learned bad habits from a bloke what lived with him. Uh, Dr. Watson, I think his name is... Are you
0: impertinent fellow. How oh, dare you talk to me like that. I've got a good... No- oh. Where is he go to. Here! You come
2: out of there! That's Mr. Holmes's room! Don't be angry with me, you, Watson. You're what? Slipping out these grimy rags into a dressing gown. Oh, good gracious me! So
0: was you, Holmes. Well, <laughs> upon my soul, I, I'd never recognised you, but
2: <laughs> why the disguise? A case, my dear Watson, a case. One of those small problems which a trusting public occasionally confides to my investigation uh-huh to the British workman, old chap, all doors are open. His costume is unostentatious, and his habits are sociable. Tool bag is an excellent passport, and a tawny moustache will secure the uh, <laughs> cooperation of maids. But what's the case, Holmes? A modest little drama of life in the kitchen, one of those seemingly inconsequential affairs, and yet, Watson, the honor of a duchess is at stake. Duchess? A uh, no. mad world, my master, a no. mad world. Ah, now I feel a little more comfortable. Let's return to the sitting room, shall we? A strong cup of tea would be just acceptable. Oh, I wish you'd tell me about the Duchess and life in the kitchen home. Some other time, old fellow, some other time. At the moment, suppose you tell me what you know about Miss Helen Stoner. I received a letter from her this morning in which she informed me that she would be calling here at 11, and also that she was a friend of yours. Oh, Helen Stoner? Oh, yes, yes. Sir. A charming girl indeed. Call me a cup of tea, Watson, and tell me about her.
0: Well, I befriended her at the time of the tragic death of her sister two years ago. I told you about the case, don't you remember? The sudden death of Violet Stoner at an old house in Stoke Moran? Oh,
2: yes, yes, yes. It all comes back to me now. There was a there was an inquest, wasn't there, with a string of stupid, ineffective witnesses. No, I was one of them. Oh, I'm sorry, old hmm? fellow. Then you were the exception, of course. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me see. I docketed the evidence on the case. Where is it? Oh, uh, my scrapbook. Ah, here we are, here we are. Let me see. Yes, S. S. Salisbury Hatchet murder, Lordson's Simon. Here we are, here we are. Stoke Moran. Yes, I remember the affair well, Now, The villain of the piece was Dr. Grimsby Roylett, wasn't he? Yes, a
0: dreadful fellow. He's the stepfather of the two girls. Violet, the one that died so mysteriously.
2: Helen, the one who's coming here to see you. Dr. Roylett is a pretty record. Fifty-five years of age, killed his kit Maga in India. Once in an insane asylum, married money, wife died... Distinguished surgeon. Well, Watson, hmm. I wonder what the distinguished surgeon has been up to now. Well, some deviltry affair. Why do you say that?
0: You remember that Miss Violet Stoner's death followed close upon the announcement of her engagement? Yes. Well, I met Miss Helen Stoner on the streets a few weeks ago. She told me that she'd just become engaged to a young fellow in the army who was leaving for the Far East. She was very
2: upset at the thought of being alone with her stepfather at, uh, at Stoke Moran. Oh, naturally it was. Hmm, Dr. Roylott stands to lose a considerable sum of money in the event of his stepdaughter's marriage.
0: Yes, they both had a trust fund which he administered only as long as the girls were unmarried. That fact was brought out at the coroner's inquest two years ago. But if Roylott did poison the other stepdaughter, and I'm pretty convinced that he did, it seems unlikely that he'd try it again. Two sudden deaths in the same household
2: could hardly pass the coroner. Oh, no, my dear Watson... You're making the mistake of putting your normal brain into Royliott's abnormal being. Oh, that
0: that must be Miss Stoner now.
2: Yes, let me see. It's precisely 11 o'clock. Well, let's see what we can do for her.
0: Well, I hope you can help her,
2: Holmes. She's an extremely nice girl. Come in. Yes, Mrs. Hudson?
3: There's a Miss Helen Stoner to see you, sir. She says she has an appointment. Show
2: her in, please, Mrs. Hudson.
3: Aye, sir. Come in, my dear. Thank you.
2: Uh, Miss Stoner, I'm... I'm so glad to see
3: you again. How do you do, Dr. Watson? And this must be your friend.
2: Yes, Miss Stoner, I'm Sherlock Holmes. Sit down by the fire, won't yes, you? Yes, sir, please do, my dear. Hello, you're, you're trembling with cold.
3: It's not cold that makes me shiver. Tell me, Mr. Holmes, has my stepfather, Dr. Grimsby-Roylet, been here?
2: No, he hasn't.
3: He saw me in the street. I dashed by him in a hansom cab, but he saw me. Our eyes met and he waved me to stop, but I came here as fast as I could.
2: A very sensible move. Uh, Dr. Watson has already it- given me several hints to your present problem. As well as having refreshed my memory as oh. to the circumstances of your sister's death.
3: My problem is a simple enough one, Mr. Holmes. I'm. I'm waiting to be murdered.
2: No, 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 my uh, dear. Please Carol. be a trifle more explicit, Miss Stoner.
3: Very well, Mr. Holmes. My fiance is leaving for the Far East today. When he leaves, I shall be alone with my stepfather at Stoke Moran. He plans to murder me just as he murdered my sister.
2: What makes you say that, Miss Stoner?
3: Many strange things have happened recently. For instance,. He's just moved me into the bedroom in which my sister died.
0: Well, what reason did he give for changing your room?
3: That my old one needed repainting. It didn't need it. But Dr. Roylott did need to put me into that horrible room. And other things have happened. I, I've i heard the music again.
2: Music? What music?
3: My sister first heard it a few days before she died. I heard it myself on that dreadful night she breathed her last... Oh, Mr. Holmes, I'm terrified. Don't worry,
2: my dear. Please don't worry anymore. You have friends to help you now. Do you mind if I ask you a few questions?
3: No, of course not.
2: Now, this music, does it seem to come from inside the house or outside?
3: Well, it it's hard to say. It it sounds so faint. What's it like? A sort of soft droning sound.
2: Like a flute or a pipe? Yes, it, mm-hmm. it
3: reminds me of native music I heard during my childhood in India. India, yeah. There's one other thing that puzzles me, Mr. Holmes. Now, what's that? My sister's dying words. As she lay in my arms, she gasped out two words. Now, what were they? Band and spectacle. Oh. You remember that evidence from the inquest, don't you, Dr. Watson? Yes,
2: yes, yes, I do. I couldn't make head or tail of it. So. Uh, band, speckled, Indian music. Miss Stoner, do you sleep with your door and windows fastened?
3: Yes, Mr. Holmes, but so did poor Violet. It didn't save her, though.
2: What did you gather from your sister's dying allusion to the band, the speckled band?
3: Well, sometimes I thought it was merely the wild talk of delirium, and sometimes that it referred to a band of people. Oh, yes. I remember that there were some gypsies encamped quite near us at the time of Violet's death. Gypsies, eh? Yes, and it occurred to me that the spotted gaily-coloured kerchiefs, which so many of them wear over their heads, might have suggested the unusual adjective which my sister used.
0: Miss Turner, how long is it since you heard this
2: strange music that you've told us about?
3: I heard it last night. Your
2: fiancée leaves today, say?
3: Yes, Mr Holmes.
2: Well, Miss Turner, I shall do everything I can to help you. If we were to come to Stoke Moran today, would it be possible to see over your rooms without the knowledge of your stepfather?
3: I, I think so. He told me this morning that he intended to take a late train home tonight.
2: Ah, that's splendid. Watson, up with the timetable, old fellow, and look up the trains to Stoke Moran. Right, you are home. That's my stepfather. I know it is.
3: Oh, yes. Yes, there he is on the doorstep. Oh, Mr. Holmes, he's followed me. Oh, what shall I do if he finds me here? Don't if... worry,
2: Miss Stoner, Please don't worry. There's a private exit through that room there. Watson. Sure the way will you come
0: along with me my dear young lady
3: and and you will come down today mr holmes certainly my
2: dear mr i'll telegraph you the entire time of our arrival. <laughs> goodbye and courage my dear
3: <laughs> goodbye mr holmes and thank Good. you come along mr quickly
2: come in yes mrs hudson it's a,
3: a gentleman sir i told him you wouldn't see anyone without an appointment but he... out of
0: the way woman
3: no, push me like that I'm sorry, Mr. Holmes.
2: That's all right, Mrs. Hudson. You can leave us.
3: What kind of gentleman does he call himself pushing an old lady?
2: So you're Sherlock Holmes. You have the advantage of me, sir. Your name is... uh... My name, sir, is Roylott. Dr. Grimsby Roylott of Stoke Moran. Oh, yes, yes, of course. A charming place I hear, and obviously good for the lungs. You won't trifle with me if you know what's good for you. Ah, Uh, Watson, there you are. And how was the, uh, uh, the experiment?
0: Very successful, Holmes. Good day to you, Dr. Roylott. I haven't seen you since I gave evidence at your stepdaughter's inquest.
2: Yes, yes, I remember you, Dr. Watson. Now listen to me, you two. My stepdaughter's been here. I've faced her. What's she been saying to you? It's a little cold for this time of the year, isn't it? You answer me! I hear that the crocuses promise well. Do you dare to try and put me off, do you? I know you, you scoundrel. Your Holmes the meddler. Am I? Holmes the busybody. I believe that a man should occupy his time. Holmes the Scotland Yard Jack-in-Office. Uh, when you go out, close the door, won't you? There's a draft. I'll go when I've had my say. Keep your nose out of my affairs, you hear? Oh, yes. My hearing is excellent, thank you, and your diction and delivery most forceful. But time flies, my dear doctor. Time flies and has its duties as well as its pleasures. Goodbye. Insolent, rascal. Here. See this poker? Oh, the fire doesn't need poking, thank you, Doctor. But I, I should be obliged if you'd uh, put some more coal on for me. Mm.
0: You laugh at me. You don't know my strength. Look. There. Your poker's bent double. And that's what I'll do to both of you. If you don't keep out of my affairs...
2: I had a presentment that he'd slam the door. Phew. He's an ugly customer, eh, huh? Literally as well as figuratively. Watson, I'd be much obliged if you'd get your revolver. It may prove to be an excellent argument with a gentleman who twists iron pokers into knots. The fellow's mm. amazingly strong. Just look at it. I don't want to appear flamboyant, but, uh. Ah. ah there we are. Great. It's cut, Holmes. You straightened the poker out again. Yes, it was utterly useless in its former shape. And now, Watson, the timetable tar- yes. will catch the next fast train to Stoke Moran.
3: Holmes, Dr. Watson, I'm so relieved that you've come. But don't you think my stepfather might have followed you down here?
2: let take that chance, Miss Stoner. A few hours delay might mean the difference between our life and death. It was imperative that we examine this bedroom of yours before Dr. Roylott returns. Anyway,
0: my dear, you mustn't worry anymore. We're here in your house and we're going to take good care of you, no matter what harm befalls you. Oh,
2: thank you, Dr. Watson. So this is the room in which your sister died, is it? Hmm, it's much as I pictured it.
0: Uh, And Dr. Roylis' room adjoins this one, you say,
2: Miss Stoner?
3: Yes, Doctor, on that side. The room which adjoins it on the other side is my regular bedroom.
2: The one that's being so conveniently painted, eh? Yes. Well, let's examine this room. No trap doors or sliding panels, I suppose. Mm, It sounds
0: solid enough, huh?
2: Yes, I think it is. Hello, what's this? Are you aware that this bed is clamped to the floor, Miss Stoner?
3: Why, no no mr holmes i, I did that what an
2: extraordinary thing was the bed in your other room anchored also
3: i know i don't think it was
2: very illuminating and this bell pull hanging against the wall above your bed
3: oh that it doesn't work it doesn't work
2: if you want to ring
3: there's another one on the other wall over there
2: now why this one
3: well i, I don't know my stepfather made a number of changes after we came here Yes,
2: yeah, quite a burst of activity apparently And it took some strange shapes. Why are you standing on the bed, Holmes? I'm curious, my dear fellow. Uh Uh-huh. It may interest you to know that this bell rope is fastened to a brass hook with no wire attachment. It's a dummy. A dummy? But why? There's a small screen above it. It's a ventilator, I suppose. Yes, Mr. Holmes. Yes. A ventilator leading into your stepfather's room. Curious. I notice there's no means of opening the ventilator on this side. It can only be operated from your stepfather's room next door. I wonder if you'd mind taking us in there.
3: Of course, Mr. Holmes. Follow me.
0: What do you make
2: of it, Holmes? As devil's work afoot, old chap.
3: Here we are, Mr. Holmes.
2: Mm, it's much the same as the other room. A bit bigger, perhaps. That large safe against the wall seems to be an unusual piece of bedroom furniture. What is it, Miss Stoner?
3: Uh, my stepfather's business papers. Oh, yes.
2: you've seen inside it, then?
3: Only once, some years ago. I remember that it was full of documents. What's
2: this saucer of milk doing on top of it? Does Dr. Rolle keep a cat?
3: No, but he does have a cheetah and a baboon as pets. He brought them with him from India.
2: Well, Holmes, a cheetah is just a big cat. Yeah, true, but I doubt it the... a saucer of milk would go very far in satisfying the appetite of a cheetah. Well, I think I've seen enough. This matter is too serious for hesitation. Your life may depend upon your following and my instructions, Miss Homer.
3: I'll do anything you say, Mr. Holmes, anything.
2: Hmm. Is that village inn I see through the uh, trees from this window?
3: Yes, the Queen's Arms.
2: Uh, Your bedroom windows will be visible from there.
3: Yes, Mr. Holmes. Very well, then.
2: Watson and I will go there now and obtain accommodations. When your stepfather returns, you must confine yourself to your room on the pretense of a headache. You follow me? Perfectly. When Dr. Roylott returns for the night must open your bedroom window and put your lamp on the sill as a signal to us at the inn. Then withdraw quietly to your usual bedroom, the one that's being painted. I'm sure that you could manage that for one night. Of course. But what will you do? When we get your signal, Dr. Watson and I will come here and spend the night in your dead sister's room. We are going to solve this mystery of the dummy bell rope and the unusual ventilator and the strange music in the night.
1: the remainder of Dr. Watson's story in just a second, so I'm just going to point out that at any really important dinner, you know, like when diplomats get together, you'll find wine on the table. Because for years it's been a known fact that good wine makes good food taste better. Prove that to yourself tomorrow night by having your dinner together with a glass of Petri wine. If you prefer a red wine for any meat or meat dish, try a Petri California Burgundy. That rich, hearty red Petri Burgundy is really out of this world. Now, if you'd rather have a subtle, intriguing white wine, let's say to go with chicken or fish, then try Petri California Sauterne. But Sauterne or Burgundy, to make sure it's good, make sure it's Petri, won't you? Well, Doctor, it's a rattling good story so far. What happened next? You went to the local inn, I guess, and waited for that lantern to appear in the bedroom window at Dr. Roylott's house? That's
0: right, Mr. Bartell. We had an early dinner at the Queen's Arms and then retired to our upstairs bedroom. And sat there side by side, puffing away at our pipes, our eyes straining through the darkness, for that telltale lantern to give us the signal that there was dangerous work ahead for us. As we sat there discussing the various aspects of the case, I remember that Holmes was very concerned about my own safety.
2: Watson, I. I really have some scruples about taking you with me tonight. This is an infernally dangerous business. Well, what about that poor girl alone in the house with that fiend, Roylott? I can handle the case by myself, old chap. I'm coming with you, Holmes. You speak of danger.
0: We haven't seen more in those rooms than was visible to no, me. No, but
2: uh, possibly I've deduced a little more, and I imagine you saw all that I did. No, I saw nothing remarkable except the bell
0: rope, and what purpose that could answer, I confess, is more than I can imagine. You saw the ventilator too. Yes, but think it's such an unusual thing to have an opening between two rooms it's so small that a mouse
2: could hardly pass through it true but at least you will admit there was a a curious sequence of coincidences a ventilator is constructed a bell cord is hung from it a lady sleeps in a bed directly below the ventilator a bed that is anchored to the floor The lady dies we'll I'll
0: begin to see what you're driving at Holmes. look 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 look
2: there's the lantern in miss Turner's window that's our signal right come on watson our night's vigil begins. Uh, what a foul night. Foul night for foul business, Watson. Come on, through these laurel bushes. It's only another 50 yards to the house.
0: The lantern's still burning away in the bedroom window.
2: Yes, all the other lights are out. Including the one in Dr. Roylott's room. He must have gone to sleep. The bed, possibly, Watson, but not, I think, to sleep.
0: Great heavens, Holmes. Look at that frightful creature leaping about the moonlight. It looks like some hideous child.
2: That's Dr. Roylott's pet baboon.
0: But it looks positively human.
2: Yes, probably a great deal more so than its master. Mm-hmm. Shh. They directly blow the window now. This ivy provides a most convenient ladder. I'll go up first. Be careful, Holmes. Careful. Oh, I, wait a minute.
0: I, uh, I, I hope the thing's uh, strong enough to to hold us both. We look pretty stupid. Uh, on our backs. Uh, in the mud. Give a hand, with you, Holmes. I can't quite get my leg up over this window ledge. Uh, thanks, old oh boy.
2: Oh, say, phew. Now to close the window shutters. This room looks exactly like the same
0: as it did this afternoon.
2: These sound would be fatal to our plans. Keep the lamp covered so that if the ventilator is open from Dr. Roylott's room, no light will show from in there. That's it.
0: Why are you carrying that
2: stick home? I'm prepared for a visitor that I expect before the night is over. A visitor who will herald his entrance with faint music from an Indian pipe.
0: You mean the music is, is a signal?
2: Exactly, old fellow. A signal to an accomplice who can enter a room with locked doors, an accomplice who kills and leaves no trace. You mean that shh. No more talking, Watson. I'll sit on the edge of the bed here. You sit on that chair. Have your revolver ready in case you, you should need it. Right your arm. Have the lantern ready too. When I shout now, turn the light full on the top of the bell rope. You understand? Yes, perfectly. Good. Now we must wait. Perhaps for some time. But don't go to sleep, Watson, to go to sleep. Your very life may depend on it. a shot of light showing up in the ventriloquist. Shh! Listen. There's the music. Yes. heralding the messenger of death. Have your lantern ready, Watson.
0: Now, Watson, Now! Great heavens, it's a snake slip, slithing down the bell rope. You can't it it without stick holes out of the way let me get a shot at it. I'm trying to drive it back the way it came. Get out! There it goes back through the ventilator. What a fiendish
2: plan! Oh. Which cup What's that? I think the devil has turned on its master. Come on, Watson, into Doctor Roylott's room. Doctor Roylott! Doctor Roylott!
0: Doctor! Doctor! Good Lord, Holmes! Look at him sprawled on the bed
2: look at his eyes yes and see what is coiled round his forehead it's the snake yes the band the speckled band he's dead holmes yes he's been bitten by the deadliest snake in the world the indian swamp arrow the <laughs> fangs produced death within 10 seconds well watson violence does in truth recoil upon the violent and the schema falls into the pit which he digs for another what should we do now holmes we must remove the macabre headgear from the dead doctor and return the snake to its den Ah. Then I suggest that we tell Miss Stoner that there's no more danger under this roof. After that, we can turn the matter over to the local police. Our work is done.
3: Oh, Mr. Holmes, Dr. Watson, I can't tell you how grateful I am that you brought me back into Baker Street. My Miss Stoner,
2: it would have been inhuman to leave you in that house of horror and death... We have a spare bedroom, and Mrs. Hudson is a motherly and understanding woman, and I can assure you that Dr. Watson and I will be delighted to have you stay with us here until you've decided on your future plans.
0: Yes, of course we will, my dear. As a matter of fact, it'd be rather refreshing to have a a touch of youth about the place. You're both so kind. (laughs)
3: Mr. Holmes, I think it's wonderful how you foiled my stepfather's devilish plans.
0: Yes, wasn't it a remarkable example
2: of logical deduction? No, it wasn't, old At first, um, your mention of the gypsies, Miss, and the use of the word ban put me on an entirely wrong scent. However... When we examined the fatal room, I drew the obvious conclusion. You mean the dummy bell rope, the ventilator, and the immovable bed? Yes, old fellow. It instantly gave rise to the suspicion that the rope was there as a bridge for something coming through the ventilator and travelling to the bed. I once thought of a snake. When I saw the saucer of milk on top of the safe, my suspicions crystallized into certainties. Oh,
0: it was a fiendish plan. Yes, an
2: extremely clever one, too. Exactly.
0: My
3: stepfather must have trained the snake to return to him when he played the music.
2: Yes, he put it through the ventilator, and with the certainty that it would crawl down the rope and land on the bed, it might or might not bite the occupant. Perhaps she might escape every night for a week, but sooner or later she must fall a victim.
0: Thank heaven I came to you, Mr. Holmes.
2: Amen to that, you Mr. Holmes. You know, huh? Holmes,
0: if you hadn't lashed at the snake with your stick... I bet it wouldn't turn
2: back on its master. True, old chap. In that way I am no doubt indirectly responsible for Dr. Grimsby Royce's death. <laughs> but I I can't say it's a fact that's likely to weigh too heavily on my conscience.
1: Doctor, that was quite a fascinating story. You know something? I, I'm not exactly a coward, but no kidding, my toes really curl when I get mixed up with snakes. Oh,
0: you're not alone in that respect, Mr. Bartell. I must admit that I like to have a revolver and at least twenty
1: feet between me and any snake that wants to cross my path. <laughs> well, if you want a revolver in twenty feet, I'll take a cannon in twenty miles.
0: <laughs> it's fortunate that you're a wine expert, Mr. Bartell, not a detective. I'm afraid you wouldn't, uh, shall we say, find detecting to your
1: liking. We certainly shall say it. <laughs> and incidentally, I'm not a wine expert, Doctor. All I know about wine is that it either tastes good or it doesn't. And I also know that Petri wine always tastes good. The Petri family sees to that. The name Petri on the label is the personal assurance of the Petri family that every drop of wine in that bottle is good wine. And they know how to make it good because they've been making fine wine for generations. Handing down from father to son, from father to son, every secret, every skill of the winemaker's art. Yes, the Petri family took time to bring you good wine. That's why, no matter what type of wine you wish, you can't go wrong with a Petri wine. Well, Dr. Watson, what new Sherlock Holmes story are you planning to tell us next well,
0: week? Well, now, let me see. Now, Next week, Mr. Bartell, I'm, I think I'll tell you an adventure that took place at a gambling casino in the south of France. It's a strange story of sudden tragedy and death. I call it The Adventure of the Double Zero. Sounds swell. We'll all be listening. You know, Mr. Bartell, before I go, I want to say that every one of our friends bought war bonds to help our boys win the war. Now let's all buy victory bonds to help bring our boys back home again. Yes, and let's buy victory bonds to make sure that the men who were wounded will get the finest possible care. Those same victory bonds will make the G.I. Bill of Rights a success, too. And they'll help provide for the families of those men who gave everything including their lives. The men of our armed forces finished their job. Now let's finish ours. By Victory Bonds.
1: Tonight's Sherlock Holmes adventure is written by Dennis Green and Anthony Boucher and is an adaptation of the Sir Arthur Conan Doyle story, The Adventure of the Speckled Band. Music is by Dean Fossler. Mr. Rathbone appears through the courtesy of Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer and Mr. Bruce through the courtesy of Universal Pictures, where they are now starring in the Sherlock Holmes series. The Petri Wine Company of San Francisco, California, invites you to tune in again next week, same time, same station. This is Harry Bartell saying good night for the Petri family. Sherlock Holmes comes to you from our Hollywood studios. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System.